podcast as part of the Treksphere network. To find more Star Trek related content, visit treksphere.com. I have no I'm running out of stuff. Well, I guess I, I guess it's more accurate to say I ran out of stuff to say that's cute at the beginning. Mm-hmm. As you know, this is the measure of an episode where it is our continuing mission to explore what makes a Star Trek episode a proper, a genuine Star Trek episode and not just kind of a TOS episode. Kind of. Oh, we'll talk about that. Yes. I'm Paul. I'm Jonathan. And the way we do this is using three criteria of one, is there sci-fi required in the plot? Number two. Is that sci-fi presented in a trope-undermining way? And number three, is there an ethical or moral dilemma that a character has to face? And that's an important part to this episode. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Paul. And this week we watched The Next Generation, Season 4, Episode 13, Devil's Do, comma, the. No. <laughs> no, the. The blurb is while answering a distress call, Captain Picard finds himself dealing with a person who claims to be the planet's version of the devil. What a great blurb. Great blurb. And it's on. It's from Netflix. Right? Pretty good. Nothing yeah. to say about that. We don't have to spend 10 minutes breaking it down. Right? I mean, we could spend 10 minutes just appreciating it. Yeah. <laughs> just listen to it again. Should I read it again? No, I'm not going to. It starts but. out kind of in a Voyager-esque way, I do have to say. I know that a lot of TNG, I know that TNG came before Voyager. I do know that. I'm aware of that. Good. But I feel like Voyager is more notorious for starting episodes in the holodeck, a la Janeway and her weird. And her disappearing children. Yeah. Yeah. But it feels like this feels more relevant, except it's not. It's not a bookend. Did you say it's not a bookend? It's not a bookend because they don't bookend in. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I forgot. Yep. Yeah. They don't end up in the last, which I was expecting, totally expecting, to end up as the last shot in the denouement of which this episode has not grammar. Like, but we didn't. It just kind of ends. But we'll get there. That's the end of the episode. We're going to start at the beginning. You're right. And what's interesting, too, about that is this was a perfect opportunity, I mean, for Data to be a total sociopath, but to observe other people's fear to interject into his performance as Scrooge. Right. He he gives a seemingly perfect performance of Scrooge, right? Mm-hmm. And then he says mm-hmm. – and then they he, Picard tells us that it wasn't for some reason. And then Data said, tells us that it wasn't, I guess. And it seemed oh, no, like – Picard a, said it was good. Picard said he was like improving drastically. Right. You were improving, which is that, – that that's not – that's just something you say when you don't know what to say when it sucked, right? Oh, all right. No. That's what you say in high school musicals. Yeah. It's like – Hey, you guys are so much better than last night, <laughs> you know. <laughs> In terms of shit, you're the best. <laughs> yeah. It's less runny today. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for putting that in there. And it's just like it's just like this this whole scene where he's pretending to be an actor and and Picard is pretending he's not an actor. It's like two actors pretending to not know anything about acting. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like a wink to the audience. I understand that it actually has purpose and value in the course throughout the course of the episode, but but what was nice about it was it linked back to because I thought the same thing. You know, it's just a moment where two people are talking about some innocuous thing that has nothing to do with the plot. But as they were walking through the hall, it it linked back to Data's ever growing desire to. Not ever growing. Data's desire to improve himself to be human, to be more human like. And 
I feel like that's the part that is missing in so many of the cold opens where it is just this innocuous conversation because nothing ever ties back to the character's growth or development or, you know, any follow-up on previous conversations. It's just, so I got a big date tonight or, you know, I was running the schematics on this and I discovered this anomaly, you know, Oh, that's interesting. Oh, hang on. We're getting something in the the sensors. Yeah. It's in in next gen. It's not usually self-contained. There is some tie in to the rest of the plot and which is the case for this episode as well which was nice. It just, mm-hmm. they didn't pay it off. Right. Really. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't circle back around. It didn't bookend as it were. Right. Like they do in Voyager. Maybe that's the link. Is that the link or am I just looking for it now? You, now you're the, just looking, no, for, just looking it. for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fine. <laughs> and then the enterprise. Gets <laughs> that a dis- was a stretch. <laughs> Thank you. Then the enterprise gets a distress call from a science station. And it made me think like when the, when the 80 year old man came on screen, I had these flashbacks to all of the other times the Enterprise gets distress calls from science stations, and it feels like this is the same guy that always <laughs> happens with the same background, the same science station set. It's like, are they all run by kind of cantankerous over it science people, 80-year-old men? Yeah, I mean, that part I can't speak to, but it makes sense that the set design would be the same because they're all built by Starfleet. You know, don't, don't true. fix what point. isn't broken. That's yeah. a good point. That's a good point. It just felt very familiar to me. Right. And it's kind of amazing. Like Starfleet, again, there's there's no there's no competition in the free market because otherwise we would see logos of whatever the company is that built these science labs or built the enterprise. Yes, but I would agree or no, I would argue would not agree. I would agree with you in that sense. But I would also argue <laughs> that the competition is in to get the most scientifically advanced as possible. And that is why I think the Federation would always fund these types of things is that we mm-hmm. don't want to be behind in science progress. Right. And so we want that's that's where the competition is. It's not that they're selling Federation logo T-shirts types of things. But what I'm saying is that there's no company that that's uh, the Federation is purchasing these things from. You're right. You're right. Yeah, we never see like a Black and Decker science lab, which would be awesome. That's the only company <laughs> that, that made it that past. survived. Yeah, yeah. It survived that the last four hundred years. Yeah. Um, so then they arrive at the science station, and there's all this chaos happening. And they say, "Okay, beam up all the science members." They say, "We can't do it. We can just get the main guy." They said, "Okay, bring him up." And there's all this hectic stuff. People are dying apparently. Gunfire, explosions, and then. Uh, they only beam up the doctor guy. And then the next shot is them having tea. Oh, you're right. And I was thinking to myself, <laughs> I mean, I understand there's not much you can do in that moment, but I would think that you'd be so riled up from what you had just been through that maybe I don't want to have a nice cup of tea with you, Picard. I kind of want to monitor what's happening down on the, you know, he does say to, to Riker, it's like, clean this mess up, Riker. Michael's like, okay. He, yeah, he says <laughs> nothing. Like, he gives a yeah. little nod, like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just an excuse to get them to have go have tea so they could have their teller scene. And mm-hmm. I don't know. This was the part of the episode that felt the least creative to me. You could yeah. have done this. They needed to dump a lot of information about Ardra. Ardra? Ardra. Ardra, yeah. And the history of the planet and the history oh, of God. this leader whose name I can't remember. Justin. Jared. Jared. And so, which was get, Jared at the start of this episode and very quickly yeah. became Jared. Yeah. It's a Han Han situation. I think. Right. And so, 
yeah, it just felt very kind of like, ah, I'm going to switch it over to 1.5 speed for this. You know, it just wasn't encapsulating or not encapsulating, mm-hmm. engrossing or anything like that. It just, it just felt very it. kind of like, this is a dump. Sorry. This is the way it is. I don't know. Did it come across? It did. And I think, I think that has more to do with just the actor's presentation of it rather than the actual info dumping. I mean, you know, again, like just think about Christopher Lloyd in Back to the Future. Like all he does is info dump, but it's fascinating to watch. So with the right person, this could have been a great scene. And the other part of it too is just you talking about how they're they're having tea together. You're right. And an easy way to fix that would be to have Picard not having tea with him. Like he's giving him tea to try to calm his nerves, to calm him down so he can have this conversation with him instead of, you know, why don't you tell tell me all about it over a cup of tea? Why not have them in the sick bay? Maybe he's he's old. So why not right. have him having some sort of heart problem because he's so stressed about what's yeah. going on and have there be commotion in the background. Just have something else happening. In, in defense of Back to the Future and Christopher Lloyd, they always have him doing something. Right. He's not just – he's very rarely just sitting there. He's preparing the DeLorean to do something. He's explaining something by – by um, where, where you do something to explain something. Showing. By performance. There's a word there. By demonstration. There we go. Yeah. And so he's, he's never just seated in a chair talking to Marty, right? Right. He's, yeah. he's, he's always active. And so why not do that instead of just having two people talk to each other in a room – uh, mm-hmm. about this kind of thing. So I think it could have been done a little bit more creatively. Yeah. But, you know, we it, I understand it needed to happen. So. Right. The info dump needed to be there, but it could have been presented in a way that was more, like you said, that was more captivating. You know, yeah. that we, we wanted to hear what he had to say rather than, okay, we need to get through this to know who these characters are. Right. He was 89 years old. So I understand that if he raised his voice above a certain level, he would just <laughs> possibly keel over and die. Right. Brain injury. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the the thing, I mean, just to to jump a little bit ahead, but the thing that I didn't like about this episode was the the immediate belief that she was a con artist, you know. And what made this a real TOS episode, <laughs> a real TOS POS, was <laughs> which isn't true. It was, this was a great episode. I, I really did enjoy it. But um, what what made it just a classic TOS episode was. What she wound up being was what they suspected her to be at the beginning. Yes. And she felt very fabulous, a very fabulous villain, a la Skeletor, you know? Yes. Where it was, she wasn't sort of a simmering, oh, this person is crazy. This is like, hello, Picard. How are you doing today? It's like that kind of TOS uh, expression of, of villainry. Did, did we compare Max Headroom to Skeletor as well? Because I thought of her more as the, the timescape. Uh, professor yeah i can see that i can see that that works but but still kind of fabulous like he was a oh little yeah bit more fabulous grounded. flamboyant over the yeah. top animated yeah yep yeah flirty just felt, felt very tos yeah kind of very just very extroverted she was she was hamming it up right yes yeah and that just did feel very tos the tos pos right. as you say <laughs> In that Picard and Data conversation where they talk about uh, the con game and the con artist, they say that like it's this ancient concept that they haven't encountered in centuries where it's like the con artist Data, (laughs) the con man, as I've read in very thick books without covers. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like you've met con artists before. Right. Like you've obviously you've met them in the course of the show. Yeah. Well, and I'm I would wager that shatner kirk even called some people con artists 
which means that, you know, that was used at least 70 years ago or at most 70 years ago. Yeah, I don't know why they had to couch it in this thing that wasn't familiar to anybody. Right. It was it was a very odd conversation. It was sort of in the so that there's kind of two halves to this episode. There's the Ardra's doing seemingly unexplainable things and we're having conversations about them in terms of our belief of them and and whether or not they're actually happening. Picard is very um, a stalwart to her being a con man data con. <laughs> well, again, if that's if you're going to do that, give a little bit more history about it. You know, like say it's the confidence man where he would earn the people's trust and confidence and then swindle them at the end. Like, you know, give give the history of a con artist if you are going to present it as this archaic terminology. Right. Especially since you have a walking database right there right. to present that information. Uh, if there's anything you don't have to explain to data, it's history. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so earlier in the episode, though, there's the conference with the crew where they're all talking about, you know, Picard is basically laying out the practicality of faking Ardra's powers. Uh-huh. And, and then Crusher says, you know, after he's, after he's laid out all these different things, she's like, like a magician in, you know, requisite Star Trek fashion where you have a yes. lot of technical things and then you have somebody sum it up in an analogy. Right. And then Picard says, exactly. And I was thinking to myself, well, that's, that sucks. That stinks. Because it would think to me the, the obvious thing to say, especially considering the cold open, is or an actor in a play. Because mm, the cold open right. was yeah. somebody acting in a play. Right. And, but it wasn't a magician. But this is the first time anybody has talked about a magician. And that's sort of the word they use. They use yeah. the, the Ardra's magic, her magic. You know? Right. Instead of her performance. Right. Right. So why not do that? Yeah. That is an excellent point. Yeah. And it just would have, again, it just, it, it's those little things that can bring the episode up to the next level when it just has a pair of fresh eyes on reviewing the script. So this script ha- was supposed to be Star Trek Phase 2. And it was originally written for the original series. It was. Uh, it was outlined for the original series and then it was actually penned and fleshed out for phase two, which never happened. This was supposed to be a season two episode and then it got pushed back to season three and season three got filled up. And so it became a season four episode, which, you know, it's one, it it is a good episode. So it's not, you know, I don't think it's like, and then there's this clunker devil's do in the middle of season four. Oh, it's supposed to be a season two episode. That explains it. Yeah. it, It was just interesting. Like, because, you know, us talking about it being a TOS episode, it was, it, it was, it, it wasn't like a TOS episode. It was a TOS episode. So it's just funny that you call it a TOS episode because it, it actually was. That's interesting. I mean, it felt like it. For right. Sure. Oh, for sure. The, yeah. one of the biggest changes and th- was to make the, uh, the devil female instead. And I think it, it did kind of exactly what you said. It just added that layer to it that wasn't there pre- in the previous episodes and that, or none of the previous, in the previous rewrites. Um, and it just made it click so much better. And there's, there's just a, a bigger level of fun, which I, I liked that they called back to that. Could she be a Q like being is this Q? And they, they kind of put the kibosh on that, even though she's doing a lot of the things that Q would do. Yes. And that Q has done. Right. So I can see them having trouble separating those two things, but they, I guess they, they acknowledge the possibility 
and got rid of it just for the sake of the plot. They weren't just thinking she was a Q. Yeah, which, again, makes me a little sad. Like, it would have been nice if they genuinely thought that she was a Q or she was an omnipotent being of some sort until they started to see those Z particles. Um, And you have Jordy be the smartest person in the room and be able to discover the source of those and say, like, Captain, you know, she she's not the devil. She's not Q. She she has a ship and we found it. Right. Sort of confirming what Picard was thinking must be the case. By the way, speaking of speaking of Jordy, just as a side yeah. note, in that conference, uh, the same conference, we get the third personality in the trifecta of Jordy's repertoire of personalities, right. which is cool, Jordy. Because <laughs> there, there are many there are many episodes where they have Jordy. He participates in the uh, discussion, but he's like leaning back in his chair. Uh-huh. His speech kind of stretches out a little bit. I actually forget what he says, but he's like, he's like, cool, Jordy, you know? Yeah. Because like, he kind of well, got sunglasses built in. Kinda, right, right. You know? Well, and I, I just always love when, you know, he's like, you mean do, you know, whatever techno babble? And he kind of like tilts his head. And, I mean, I guess like maybe if we did this and this, like that could work, you know? Like yeah, that's, yeah. that's the Jordy that I always like where he's, you know, they, they ask him to do something and he's like, ah, oh, maybe. Yeah. I like that. He's sort of unsure that it could happen. It's not a Scotty. I think we can do it or no, that cannot happen. I like right. that. Yeah. That's cool. That's very science fiction to me. Maybe right. we can do it by this, this, and this, but I'm not sure. Right. As opposed to like Bolana, where she goes, yes, if I do this, it will work. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, no, we can't do it. <laughs> yeah. It's always an absolute either way. Except yeah. cool, Jordy. Yeah. Jordy does what he can. And if it doesn't work, that's all right. Right. Exactly. Uh, and then Ardra shows up in the captain's chair, further yep. kind of adding to her mystique and powers. And I really wanted her to be wearing Picard's jacket. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have it yet, does he? I don't think he has it in this. I don't know. Before. I don't know when yeah. he gets it. But that would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like... Uh, it very much was a flirty song and dance with her. And so it would have been kind of fun for her to be wearing his jacket, as it were. Yes. Well, that yeah. would be very Q, I think. Yeah. So I can see, because Q will often show up outranking Picard or at least in a Federation uniform. So mm-hmm. I think they wanted to avoid those those connections and associations. Which is very disappointing, again, because it would have been fun to see if they'd made it even more of a procedural and not just trying to find the source of her powers, but trying to figure out what kind of being she is. You know, the fact that Picard, from the moment, doesn't believe her to be anything more than a con artist. She really didn't do anything more spectacular than Q does. And so it just seemed strange that he eliminated the thought of her being Q right away. I think that's just a writing thing. They didn't want people thinking... They didn't want the audience thinking, oh, this is probably Q, and they're just they're just kind of toying with this. Right. I think they wanted to just negate that out of the out of the gate. <laughs> uh, so, but that whole scene where they they transport her off the bridge, and then she takes over that other person's spot in his uniform, and then brings him back as a swap, which I haven't seen done before, or if I have, I don't remember. Like. All of the things that she was doing were on the edge of Q-level abilities. They weren't things right. that, you know, were were what, you know, were things that ha- that we have seen before. And so this was a scene that I felt kind of pushed the envelope of her being able to do these things as a con, art- con artist. Yeah. And, I mean, there was the big thing where the Enterprise disappears. 
which right. they never explain. Yeah. And they never explain, okay, so you made the Enterprise disappear, but you didn't make all the people disappear. They're still there. They never explain where they went. And if they were doing things to try and undisappear themselves, if they knew that they had been disappeared, if they were transported elsewhere somehow, right. that never got explained. They knew We knew that they were able to get into contact with them again, but at least, unless I, I missed something. But I would have liked to have known how they did that. I was expecting that. Yeah. Yeah. And also kind of explaining those things at the end of the episode, you know, and not kind of, I, I mean, again, I keep circling back to this, but just explaining how the tremors could be done by using a tractor beam. Like, don't explain that in the beginning of the episode. Show Picard causing the tremors as well. And he's like, you know, that was a minor tractor beam pull on the continent, caused no damage to the earth, but created a slight tremor. We kind of get a very small section where he is seemingly magical. You know, we get the where he goes and talks to LaForge. He says, okay, well, here's what I want to do. And then, you know, we do the, you know, the fun trope where we cut away and we're sort of, we get to watch him perform the thing as though we're an outsider, which was fun. I, I thought actually that was going to be longer. I thought there was going to be more kind of comeuppance for her, I guess, where she was right. being dis, you know, discounted. Yeah, but what I'm saying is all of the things that he did were things that he had already explained could be done with his ship. You know? right. And so it, it would have been fun for him to just suddenly get those powers and then have him explain how he did those things using the ship. You know, showing that her tricks were nothing more than technology being pre- presented as magic. Right, and in, when they're doing the the courtroom drama thing. Mm. There's a point where um, to convince Picard right, and to convince Data, I guess, as the judge, which I actually thoroughly enjoyed him being a judge. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so there's a point where Ardra is trying to convince Picard by making the ground shake, by making Picard disappear, and then he turns into a He-Man villain <laughs> at some point, or she does. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and she asks, can you explain any of these things? And he says, no, and he can't explain them, but that's not the end of the, the conversation to me. It seemed like a, a big writing problem. They wanted their heart out of him saying no. And like, Oh, Picard is defeated. But the obvious thing, which he said before, earlier in the episode, which is no, I can't explain how David Blaine is able to put a needle through his bicep without any pain or anything like that. But I actually know it's not actually magic, Right. I know right. it's not actually magic. It's something else that I just don't know how he's doing it. Like, just because I can't explain it doesn't automatically make it magical. Right. So right. why didn't he say that? Well, because she said yes or no. <laughs> Picard is a stickler for the rules. Yep. Yeah. So there's this point where Picard is interviewing the leader, Jared, Jared, Gerard, as it were. <laughs> JJ Rod. <laughs> and, you know... Was Ardra there when you found peace among your people? No. Was she there when you're when when did she fix your environment when uh, everything was ruined? No. We did this and this and this. Was who got rid? Did she get rid of all the weapons that brought peace to your land? No. We actually had a thing. This she wasn't there. And I was thinking to myself, this is actually it feels like this line of questioning is a stand-in for religion, and kind of an indictment for it. Right. Which which. Star Trek, at least at this point, was kind of famous for because Jean-Luc Picard, played by <laughs> Patrick Stewart, <laughs> and Roddenberry had both said, there is no religion in Star Trek, and there's a reason for that. And it felt very – it felt like a something you would say to someone who is ardently 
um, holding on to the idea that God is responsible for all the good things that happened in my life. God helped me to bring me out of alcoholism. God helped me to cure cancer. God helped me to build this house. And I'm, you know, it's because of him that I am who I am today. And in this, this questioning where he questions Gerard, he says, did God do it or did you do it? Did you lift yourself up by your own bootstraps and you, you did all of this work that God deserves none of the credit for it. Right. And that's kind of the difference to me between religion and faith. In this particular thing where there was no magical thing that helped you, like you weren't magically cured of cancer, you weren't magically brought out of alcoholism, you were, you just did it yourself. You know, maybe mm -hmm. you were inspired by one thing or another, right. but you did all the work, you burnt all the calories. So I liked this, it was a, it was a great expression of that. I liked the conversation. Like it seemed to be a stand-in. Um, it didn't strike me as that, but I can absolutely see how it was seen that way. Uh, what I what I liked about that scene was just that. Picard was – it looked like he was – I mean I know that he was trapping her by saying that she didn't do anything. But it looked like he was genuinely trying to figure out where she was involved. I think that Picard knew the, the answers to that. Oh, yeah. He absolutely did. He but just the, all the answers were no. She was not there. Right. But he, you know, but he didn't say like she didn't destroy your weapons, did she? She didn't cause, make the treaties, did she? You know, like he, he was – trying like he knew that the answers were no but just the way he was presenting it was kind of a like you know i'm giving you all of these opportunities to say yes and you are going to say no to all of them right like it he was, was just, le he wasn't leading the question he was he was using the uh, the socratic method as it were right to get to the answer exactly um and that that part was just written really well and but i do i do think you are right and i kind of thought it through the entire episode that technology advanced enough is indistinguishable from magic. And he was essentially saying, like, you exactly what you just said. Like, you don't, you should not put all the credit into God doing this because that may have been your inspiration, but you are the one who did the effort. Right. And it yeah. also shows how powerful superstition can be. Yeah. Very true. I mean, that still is alive today. Mm -hmm. That's why sports players don't wash their jock straps and. Which just sounds magical, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, speaking of sports, you know how we're both experts in sports? Yes. So you Very know how you want to ask. There, there are players who have what they call, I think they call them waggles, or at least that's what they're called in golf or something like that, where they have, they have to do a couple of things before they make each shot or before they take each swing or, or take a free throw where they have to kind of do something. You know, there was one guy on the Dodgers, whose name I can't remember, every, before every single at-bat, every single strike or pitch, rather, he would do this thing with his gloves and he would be like futzing with himself. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I understand. If, I would understand this behavior if every time you did this, you got a home run. Right. Every time you did it, it's like, oh, do it every time, by all means. But the man would strike out more than he wouldn't, right? <laughs> so it's not working. So right. what you're doing, you need to stop doing it because this is causing you – first of all, it's boring to watch. Right. And it's, it's causing you harm. Statistically, you are losing more than you are winning, right? <laughs> yeah. And of course, the 55th time that he does that and makes a home run, he's like, yep, works like a charm every single time. Right. But clearly, there's a specific position of those things, and he keeps trying to find it. You, know, you oh, have right. to do it oh, in so, a very specific way. Oh, so I see. So when, I, when it doesn't work, he didn't do it right. Right, he did it wrong. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Even and that's sense. why he steps back to reset and try to do it again. Well, maybe if I do it this way, yeah. But I'm, a, I'm we're both experts. Yeah, clearly, we're just as we are in Star Trek. 
<laughs> we should do a sports podcast. As the crew from Star Trek. <laughs> we'll do it as Cisco, and it'll be all about baseball. Right. Anyway. Well, so we haven't talked about it at all, and it's kind of you know in the middle of the episode, but when she shows up as Zool from Ghostbusters. <laughs> I was kind of grateful that the uh, that Worf did not play more of a role in this, that they left that behind of like, I don't know, Captain, it looked exactly like whatever from the underworld you know i was kind right. of glad that, that's who you're talking about right no when like when she when, when she showed up in picard's quarters in the captain's chambers oh i was thinking of the dogs in ghostbusters no Sorry. No, no no that was my fault my fault yeah yeah Dana no, Barry. Azul, yeah when she's super horny yeah. su- super horny for yeah Picard. yep sort of a, a progenitor for the borg queen because he gets he gets many of these types of things it's like well if you dedicate your life to my sexual satisfaction then Everyone else can live, type of thing. Right, right. And he gets a lot of those. It must be he must have the biggest ego. That's yeah, it, a huge throbbing ego. Yep. Or he's just a monster in bed. Right. And but how do they know? Like that's the thing. Like they that's have true. to know through the antics from Beverly. <laughs> well, he might have a reputation, you know. Right. <laughs> that's why he's captain, and Riker is just the first officer. Yeah. Riker is only just inspired by Picard. Uh, sorry, I was trying to think of you know the pun. So you know, he's like, so I had to help her. Wait, what did you do? Crush her? Do they high five after that? Right. <laughs> but he has to go around um, the entire bridge and high five everybody. Right. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> There's actually a high five mode on the bridge where all the lights blink and they play you know sounds of fireworks going off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he has to go around to everybody. And, and get the high five. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh man. Then the episode ends. And right. boy, does it end. No, no, no. Sorry. No, I want to go back. So, uh, so Dana Barrett shows up and, you know, oh, yeah. she, she changes into Deanna, which was kind of weird. Like that definitely should have been Beverly. There, there has no, never but it was been. Great, it was great evidence that she was not an all powerful being because that's true. She just took the prettiest girl on the bridge and said, oh, I'm sure you're attracted to this one. Right. right. When in right. fact he wasn't. And yeah. he, he, that's never mentioned, but it's kind of implicit that, oh, you have no idea. You're not a, you don't know anything about me. You know, this is right. just you trying to seduce me. Yeah. And so then as punishment, <laughs> she sends him down to the planet, like in his jammies. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> and he changed, I mean, it's the middle of the night for Picard, right. but yeah. he can't even ride back in the, the runabout. In his pajamas. He has to change into the uniform, which is seemingly no small task. It's not like putting right. a robe on. You got to take the stuff off and put the thing on. I guess that kind of shows what kind of a kind of prim and proper Picard is. But just the idea that for that short uh, runabout ride back to the Enterprise, he had to change into his uniform. Right, right. It's kind of funny if you think about it because that means on Ryza, we'll, we'll get to this episode, but he just does everything in his jammies. Yeah. In his PJs. Like, yeah. that's just the kind of planet that Ryza <laughs> is. Like, <laughs> well, there are certain resorts, you know, where you can walk around in your robe and you can, you can actually eat at the restaurant in your robe. It's right. that kind of thing. That's how right. Ryza is. You just can walk around. I'm sure there are people walking around naked since we've now, uh, it's now been revealed to us that it is, a, in fact, a sex planet. Canonically, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, so then then the episode ends, and it's one of those things where I really wanted her to be kind of like the the Rachel to Sherlock. I can't remember her name, um, or maybe it's Rebecca. Uh, just the 
the love foil, the Catwoman to his Batman, you know, where she would continue to show up as a, a thorn in his side or showing up to help him. You know, there was a, like, she could have been the um, Tomb Raider anthropologist that he met up with where she she was stealing the artifacts rather than returning like returning them to a museum where they belong. I never saw Tomb Raider. Maybe I'm like conflating it series, but I I'm pretty sure that when Picard gets interested in archae when when we discover that he's interested in archaeology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like because he's working with a, an old partner and it turns out that she's now doing it for money instead of science. Like she winds up taking a piece that they were both going after. You know, it would have been fun if it was played by this person. I think that she was not an interesting enough character to bring her back. Like she just, she's not like Q where it's like, oh, wow, this is very cool. Where you have this kind of, not misogynistic, mischievous, (laughs) well, maybe misogynistic too. Mischievous being who is omnipotent, truly, literally. And so him coming back and messing with Picard, that's super interesting. But just this person who is very superficial, I guess, in their performance, Mm -hmm. because she never had a moment where there's any kind of real interplay between two characters. It's always kind of through this mask of I'm the greatest being who ever lived. You know, it's like it's that kind of thing. They're always kind of hamming it up. And I think that bringing that back would be now it would be interesting if they brought it back and she was totally different. Like, yeah, I was just playing a role. I was being paid as an actress to right. do that. Right. And I escaped or they let me go because the real people were the people on the ship who were who hired me. And that would have been interesting to see that go. But yeah. maybe it wasn't a super well-received episode. Uh, no, actually, it was the highest viewed episode since um, Encounter at Farpoint. Really? Yeah. What? There has to be some context to that. Like there was something that happened before or after that made so many people want to watch it. But well, until clues aired the next day or the next week. Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is what good episodes are. I forgot. Man, this is the fourth season, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Halfway in to the fourth season. And this is the most watched episode since Encounter of Firepoint. Yep. Yeah, we're missing something. There are so many good episodes (laughs) before this one. Well, yeah, the best of both worlds. Was the season three. Exactly, dude. All the Borg stuff, all the Q stuff. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, just I, it's always disappointing when any show does it, Star Trek or otherwise, where they introduce a character and they leave their ending, not ominous, but just open-ended like that, you know, where she's like, I'll see you again later or whatever. And then laughs as she walks out and nope, no, you won't. That's the end of it. Well, it's such a awkward ending too. They clearly ran out of time. And and they had this big swell in the music, like it was the end of a Disney movie. Right. It just felt very un-Star Trekian. I was like I said before, I was expecting to, them to end up in the holodeck, right, and that kind of thing. I was just kind of a denouement, yeah, yeah, as a bookend. Yeah, more as a bookend, not a denouement. Right. Not but an there unraveling. Was no, there was yeah. no denouement in this, and they they didn't learn anything. I guess Picard was vindicated, and that's it. Right. Yeah. Well, this also isn't Law and Order where they have that little button at the end kind of talking about the moral of the episode. But yeah, there was there was nothing. She she gets dragged off and I don't even remember if they beam up, but no, it stays he just walks in, out of the room. Yeah, it stays in the courtroom and there's credits. Yeah. Crazy. It almost felt like the ending of A Few Good Men. That's what that's what I was that's what it invoked for me or evoked for me because that's how A Few Good Men ends. Interesting. <laughs> Although right. I do wonder did this air 
before or after a few good men? Was it a few good men aping this or the other way around? Because <laughs> clearly they're derivative of each other directly. Right. No other courtroom drama ends with a empty courtroom and a the end at the end of it. Right. Right. No. I. I mean, at least I can't think of one off the top of my head. And that means it doesn't exist. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And the end. So and the I'm going to say a Star Trek, a proper Star Trek episode for sure. For sure. So what would you say is the ethical or moral dilemma? A con man data. Con. But you shouldn't be a con man. It never pays to be a con man. Also, uh, actually quite seriously, uh, I think that the religious thing kind of plays a, an ethical thing that – uh, they're definitely pointing out that superstition has no place in an advanced society. If you want to be utopianistic, which they clearly were, it has no place for uh, superstition and this kind of thinking, I guess, this kind of mindset that magic still exists uh, outside of the realm of your own senses. Right, but Ardra and Picard didn't have any kind of dilemma about that. Well, no, but the the inhabitants of the planet, whose name I cannot remember, they did. Yeah, okay. Jarred. He Jarred. was very jarred about the whole thing. Oh, nice. High five. Emoji high five. <laughs> or prayers. One of the same. <laughs> yeah. There we go. This episode is that is that emoji. <laughs> is it one? high fives or is it prayer? Um, All right. Should we see what we're watching next? Well, hang on. Just to finish up that tag. I agree with you. <laughs> okay. Now let's see what we're oh. watching next. <laughs> okay. The Enterprise Incident. It's episode two of season three of the original series. Uh, it is a Star Trek episode. And the blurb says, Captain Kirk becomes increasingly erratic and orders the Enterprise into Romulan space, where the ship is captured by a beautiful Romulan commander. Man, Kirk gets erratic a lot in the show. Right? I always thought he was the stoic leader. No, but he's the one who says storage compartments, storage compartments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wonder how long it's going to take us to actually finish a season of any series i think a long time there are many seasons that we're kind of going through actually that's kind of a good segue um we will be doing discovery season one so that'll be whenever we get to season one of discovery uh, <laughs> no date on that yet we're making yeah. our way through it but uh yep discovery yeah, but in the meantime, let's go watch the Enterprise incident. Okay, uh, I've been Paul. Uh, I've been Jonathan, and this has been the measure of an episode. But you already knew that. But you already knew that.